What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of The TSK Show, I am back in studio with Jacob finally after being at home the last two weeks. Tyler is joining us on the phone. We are going to discuss the NFL's 2010s All-Decade team that was announced on Monday. We're also going to recap the first round of the NBA 2K tournament featuring NBA players that ESPN and 2K put together to try and fill the void of there not being any live sports right now. We're going to close the show with our third installment of our series ranking the best players at each position in the NBA right now. And so we're going to reveal our lists of the top 10 wings in the NBA right now. All right, let's start the show. What's going on, fellas? How we doing, man? Or gentlemen, how we doing, gentlemen? Day by day, man. Day by day. Tyler, how we doing? Just enjoying all my hobbies. Yeah. I saw you. Yeah. You texted in one of the group chats we have. Uh, you've been playing a lot of 2K. You uh, made made some moves and got to, got a lot of my coins, huh? In uh, my team. Oh yeah, always just always grinding away on my team. <laughs> definitely my number one. De- definitely been my number one quarantine. Oh yeah, activity. Definitely, Jacob. What else you've been doing to keep occupied besides work? I'm glad that work has been keeping me pretty busy, but honestly, I've just been watching old movies. I watched, like I said last week, I watched Semi-Pro recently. Uh, last night, I watched Wolf of Wall Street, which is one of my favorite movies with uh, That's Leonardo. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It was almost three hours, so yeah. it, it does eat up a lot of time, but mainly just movies and shows. You know, I watched Tiger King, too. I know that was oh, uh, a big King. thing. It's a pretty legit show if, if you haven't watched it. They're adding another episode. I know. Too. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Every see the hype was crazy because everybody was like, "Oh, you should go watch it." You know, whatever. And I was like, "I'll give it a week, whatever." And I started seeing memes about it and stories. I said, "Damn, I got to watch this." Yeah, you needed to, you needed to understand what was oh, going yeah. on. And I no, I did. And the uh, the gay polygamy really hits you in like the second episode, and you're like, oh, "What the spoiler hell? <laughs> alert?" Well, it, it's in the description already, so <laughs> if you read it, you'll find out. But all right, I wanted to give the people an update real quick on some stuff that's happening in the sports world regarding when we're going to get live sports back. And I took a couple of screenshots of a few tweets that I had seen over the past couple of days, and I'll, I'll run through them as quickly as I can, and we can kind of share our thoughts real quick, and then we'll get into the juice of what uh, we want to talk about tonight. But first, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, a plan dictating that all 30 teams – 
in the MLB will play games with no fans at stadiums in the Phoenix area, including the Diamondbacks, Chase Field, 10 spring training facilities, and perhaps other nearby fields has been discussed with the hope of being able to start the season in May or possibly June. That's on the baseball front. And then jumping to basketball, according to Tim Bontemps of ESPN, Adam Silver in his interview with Ernie Johnson of TNT said if he had a better, basically he was asked if he had a better sense of where things stand now uh, as opposed to when the NBA was shut down. And Adam Silver said, quote, the short answer is no. Adam Silver also said that he's told his people with the NBA that there will be no way to have a real answer about where things are headed in terms of starting the season again until at a minimum of May 1st. So we're not going to know if the NBA season is going to resume or get canceled or get postponed even further uh, until at least May 1st. And then obviously with March Madness getting canceled, that means players in the college ranks have to make a decision in terms of draft eligibility now teams have now been given guidelines according to shams trani of the athletic uh sources tell him that the nba has given franchises guidelines for the pre-draft process during the coronavirus pandemic stating that teams can conduct virtual meetings with prospects but are prohibited from in-person workouts or requesting slash watching live video of prospects also until for until further notice NBA teams will receive up to four hours per prospect in virtual meetings during the pre-draft process. Teams are prohibited from conducting more than two hours of virtual meetings with a player in a one-week period. And then last, well, second to last, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, the NBA and ESPN plan to televise a horse competition, and that is basically going to consist of players that are rumored to be participating are Chris Paul, Trey Young, Zach Levine, some recent NBA alumni, as well as WNBA players. Players would be filmed competing at their home locations on an indoor or outdoor court, whatever they have at their house, and would compete shot for shot in the traditional horse game. And then last but not least, with some gusto, President Trump hopes that the NFL will start on time in September, but I'm not too hopeful of that, to be perfectly honest. So why don't we kind of discuss a couple of things in here? Tyler, why don't you you have some thoughts on what I, some of the things I just mentioned? Yeah, um, I think that uh, the NFL season is still possible. Um, but that's like best case scenario. Um, so as far as like football goes, I think that they should just continue as normal of what they would have been doing. Um, as far as the horse thing goes, man, it's just, it's just crazy. The time where, I mean, it just kind of shows the time we're living in. People are desperate just to, you know, for some content, for some live competition and they want something. This a, yeah. This is a creative, uh, this is a creative fix, but I, you know, I don't know if I'm super excited about it. It seems kind of like pro bullish to me, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's it one way to go little, about it. You know, it might be like the only thing to watch. So I might watch it, but it's probably not going to be that great. I think it's value wise. 
I think the horse thing is cool that they're including like recent NBA alumni and WNBA players. Yeah, no, I mean, it is a creative idea. And I think it's cool that, you know, it's very all-star game-ish, you know, that's just kind of like the feel of it, that competition where you have, you know, WNBA retired, you know, a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it could be all right. I'm just saying it just shows the times we're in. We're desperate kind of to see anything. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I think that with the whole NBA in general, baseball, baseball is, is tough, but basketball, I think that pretty soon you just got to, you got to pull the plug on the season. I honestly am surprised they haven't already. Just because I don't, I just, what you, what you don't want to do is start fucking up next year. And I just think if you call it quits on this season, people can just move on and we can have the draft at the normal time, do a virtual draft, you know, like you can continue and save next year. Don't, don't mess up two seasons uh, trying to save one. I just think that it's getting pretty close to where you should just call the season and it sucks. And I mean, it's horrible. It'll be such a crazy thing in sports history. Uh, but I think that that's where it's at. I mean, the NCAA already did it. High schoolers are, high schoolers are already doing it. Um, it's just where it's at. And then baseball, I'm not really sure because baseball is not the worst. The pandemic really started uh, right before their season started. You know, whereas like basketball caught him in the middle. Football is probably okay. They're the safest as of right now, but um, I think it's time to full plug on the NBA season, which sounds nuts. Yeah, no, honestly, I agree with Tyler. It's, I think, I think there's so much back and forth too, and even LeBron said it. A bunch of players have said it. It's going to feel weird if they play the sport without fans. So at this point, you want to just pull the plug and just finish out what you know what you had, and then just maybe you hope for a later start in the season, um, maybe in October, November, hopefully. I don't think I don't think it's at the point where you can continue this season anymore. Yeah, no, it's done. Because yeah, because like like Tyler was saying, like you can't have it affect two seasons consecutively. You have to make the choice to to save next season and that entirety. And that's what would happen if you do try to pick up this this season and continue it. Let's just say in May or June, because you're going to have it bleed into. The months of July and August, and then you want to pick it up again regularly, like you would have in October, November. So yeah, it would screw up that season too, as well as mess up this season. You know how many injuries too that you would probably have from smashing all the those two seasons together. Yeah, and I saw a tweet. Excuse me. I saw a tweet from Rachel Nichols saying she had just gotten off the phone with an NBA All Star who doesn't have a home hoop, like he doesn't have a at least a half court or some sort of hoop at home which most out which in. most do but and honestly most do have some form of weights bike whatever some form of exercise equipment but, but there's there some a lot. there's there's some people that don't have big contracts and they can't even afford that stuff they have maybe have an apartment and that's it right or it's a younger all-star that hasn't gotten to his second contract yet where he hasn't really made some real money yeah and and again if you li- let's say you live in an, an apartment complex you have that you, that facility. In, you have in, limited space. Yeah, you have limited space, and that facility. Let's be honest; it's probably closed right now. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Like so, what? What? Like what? What's Kendrick Nunn set up in Miami? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like what? What could what could he afford in Miami? So yeah. I'm, it's yeah. it's really Crazy. tough. I think I, I think the NFL season is safe uh, as of right this second. Yeah, they probably uh, they it, probably have the safer bet only because they start later on. Well, yeah, I think but it's headed towards. I think it's headed towards being delayed but i still don't uh, see fans going to stadiums even in september see the thing is is that they don't really know when they can lift all of of these these motions off because they can't just pull the plug and say all right everybody can just go back to their normal lives and as soon as you do that and people aren't going to be so quick to do that no some people are going to ease back into it just like how the government wants to ease back into it and all right. the mandates are going to be eased into it. So the same thing is going to happen with sports. Now, the stuff that they're doing with uh, with online, you know, 2K tournaments and, and they're, they're hosting stuff like, you know, virtually, that's what you're going to get in the meantime, you know? Yeah, they just got to keep coming up with different ideas and different types of content to put out there for people to consume while everybody's just at, at home. What a, what a crazy time in, in history and... And, no, we really you know, we're living it's through it. It's effect and, and its effect on sports. Yeah, but all right, let's let's talk about some other good stuff. Well, better good stuff, <clears throat> better stuff. The NFL 2010's All Decade Team was released, and I thought it would be a good idea since there were three of us to split it up. So I have the offense. Tyler has the defense. And Jacob has the specialist and the coaches. So we'll run through the offense first and we'll kind of share our thoughts on the list and then we'll move to defense and so on and so forth. So for the offense, there were two quarterbacks, four wide receivers, four running backs, two tight ends, a flex position, four offensive tackles, four offensive guards, and two centers. So the quarterbacks were unanimously... Tom Brady of the New England Patriots. And then Aaron Rodgers was also selected as the other quarterback. The receivers were Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. The running backs, Marshawn Lynch, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson. The tight ends, Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey. The flex position was Darren Sproles. The... Offensive tackle group was Jason Peters, Tyrone Smith, Joe Staley, and Joe Thomas. The offensive guards were Jahari Evans, Logan Mankins, Zach Martin, and unanimously Marshall Yonda. Joe Thomas was also a unanimous uh, selection. And then the centers are Alex Mack and Marquise Pouncey. So what do we think? Uh, Yeah, there's a lot to lots of process there but <laughs> it's uh it's tough i mean I, I look i look through these these teams obviously and i i saw that people were upset about breeze um which breeze is completely deserving but it's like you got to pick somebody you know yeah they both got they both got a super bowl but but breeze's super bowl wasn't in this decade exactly uh, it's like rogers got the super bowl they both had mvps i just i I'm okay with Breeze not getting it. And then I think also Wilson, Russell, uh, he was like, I think, next in line. Yeah, he definitely could have been it. 
but I think they got the quarterbacks right. And then um, linemen, like uh, you know, I trust I trust what they what they did there. I don't have enough knowledge yeah. to kind of argue the linemen. Um, the running backs were interesting to me though, because uh, at first glance, you you know, I think that Fred Gore and Shady are are kind of like, man, is that really who it was? But looking back at the numbers, they they dominated numbers wise. And uh, I think I think Adrian Peterson and Marshawn should have been the only running backs because I think that they were kind of clear cut the two best. And a- AP might have been the best player of the decade. You know, he was such a beast at running back. Adrian Peterson but, was uh, a unanimous decision, also by the way. So it was only him, yeah, and, him and Tom Brady were both unanimous. Him, Tom Brady, well, Joe Thomas, linemen, Joe uh, Thomas, and Marshall Yanda. So two linemen: Adrian Peterson and yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah, and so uh, Marshawn AP, I think, great. Uh, Shady, Shady's numbers were just insane. I mean, he was first in yards last in that decade, second in attempts in that decade, and then he was right at the top with you know all the other major stats. Um, and Frank Gore was the same. He was Frank Gore had the most attempts in the decade, played the most games in the decade, and then was second in rushing yards for the decade. So and now he ranks deserving. fourth all time, right? Yep. So I can't really, I, I, I can't, there's no, I don't think there was any uh, snubs. Like yeah. when I was looking over it, I was like, I don't think there's any snubs. Uh, what I did think was interesting was Sproles got a flex knob, which is awesome. Cause I'm a huge Sproles guy. Yeah. But where I, but I do feel like a, uh, a guy that should have been, could have been a flex that should, that did get snubbed is Julian Edelman. I think yeah. that his production in the postseason, his effect on winning, and you know his flex kind of football abilities uh, were just as valuable as Darren Sproles were. Yeah, the regular season numbers might not have been there, but the postseason success is. Yeah, he has what a yeah. MVP too in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yep, and then uh, the other thing I had to shout out really quick. I got three guys I was going to shout out were the fullbacks that I thought were the fullbacks of the decade, okay. and. Uh, that's we got Sherman from Kansas City Chiefs, Kyle Huschek from Baltimore and San Francisco, and then John Kuhn from Green Bay, New Orleans. They were kind of like last of a dime breed. What's yeah. That? No, I was just gonna say I, I was gonna say what did you guys think of the receiver groups? I mean, I think they nailed it. Calvin, Calvin's tough though. I mean, he played he played ten years, five in one decade, five in the other. Yeah, but it was it was nice to see him in uh, on this list because I mean the impact that he had. I mean, just yeah. When it comes to the numbers, like Larry A. B. and Julio were hands down the top three. But you want to know the two guys I think that got that are not snubs because I don't know if I can necessarily take them over Calvin, but it was um, Demarius Thomas and Deshaun Jackson. Both of those guys' numbers from the decade were pretty impressive and I think would surprise most people. Yeah, I like those names. I just, I'm not taking them over Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I think with Deshaun Jackson, too, I think he was more of like a highlight guy. I mean, he was a great guy, good numbers, but I don't think his numbers were better than the selected receivers on here. No. No, but for the decade, Deshaun Jackson and Demarius Thomas' numbers totals are better than Calvin's. Yeah. They play twice as many seasons. But it's like D-Jack was first in the decade for yards per catch, and he was first in the decade for yards per target. 
Yeah, so no. He was like the big play guy. When you talk when you talk about the 2010s decade, it's like you can't like explain it without mentioning Deshaun Jackson. And uh, so, and then Demarius Thomas was just a guy that just showed up in every major stat category. He was in the top five in yards, top five in catches, and uh, you know, so t- top five in touchdowns. So he he was he was big time. He was really Peyton's only big target in in the Super Bowl year that he was with Denver. That yep. and that and Emmanuel Sanders really. And then uh, the tight ends were interesting. I think they nailed it. Gronk and Kelsey, of course. But, like, Antonio Gates and Jimmy Graham, I think, are both guys that could deserve it as well. Uh, Zach Ertz also? Yeah, Zach Ertz, but, man, I don't know. He's, he's still, He only played half a decade, so. Yeah. And also Kelsey now has the ring. Kelsey's got the ring, and they played all 10 years, you know, for the most part. Yeah. So, all right. You want to take over for the defense now? Um, yeah, I mean, we could do it, like, in groups if you want. Yeah, sure, however you want to do it. I mean, the the defensive linemen were J.J. Watt, Julius Peppers, Clayus Campbell, Cameron Jordan, Geno Atkins, Fletcher Cox, and Dominican Sue, and Aaron Donald. And then who was there any unanimous D linemen? Yeah, Aaron Donald, Watt, right? Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt were the only ones. Which I think, you know, I can't really argue with any of the D linemen. Um, they're all, you know, guys that were just dominant throughout the entire decade for sure. I think uh, if I had any, I wrote down a couple uh, snubs. I thought Kyle Williams, the defensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills all those years, he was a six time Pro Bowler. Gerald McCoy was a six time Pro Bowler. And then Terrell Suggs and Clay Matthews. Um, those were two guys that I kind of thought were missing off the list. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would say Suggs. Suggs, maybe. Suggs and Matthews were kind of surprising to not see on this list for sure. Yeah, but it's like they were kind of they were going up against you know JJ Watts numbers, Vaughn Miller's numbers, Aaron Donald Aaron Jones. You know, I think that they definitely. I think that this list, they def- when I was looking at the numbers for the decade. It was just like they definitely were going off of stats. Like stats were heavily influenced because I think there were some guys that were just like maybe not number one, two, or three, but like six, seven, eight, nine, which is like Suggs and Clay, that I would take over Chandler Jones. Yeah, I just feel like I would have took I would have took Terrell Suggs and Clay Matthews in the decade over Chandler Jones, over Fletcher Cox, over Geno Atkins, Cameron Jordan, maybe even Clay Campbell. So um, I think that those guys were. Definitely, like, borderline. Um, the linebackers, the middle linebackers, I think, were, like, the, the best group of the defense. Maybe of the whole thing, kind of similar to quarterbacks. But Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, Patrick Willis. Yeah, studs. I mean, just, I don't think he gets any more dominant. Just three Hall of Famers right there. Perfect. Yeah, no way. And then, Chan- and then Chandler Jones and Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller, to me, for sure deserved it. Chandler Jones, I think, uh was one of the least deserving on on the list, not uh, but because he had so many sacks in the decade. And he's got he a ring with the guy. he's got a ring with the Patriots too. Yeah, so I think that they fell victim to the stats. But Von Miller was uh, also I, a unanimous selection. Yeah, and he should be for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the DBs were interesting because 
I think that the two biggest snubs everyone kind of I've seen talk about is Keith Tlaib and Joe Hayden. Yeah. Um, both, of them, both of them have great numbers. Uh, but they went with Patrick Peterson, who I think deserve, was deserving, and Richard Sherman, who I think was deserving. Yeah. But Chris Harris Jr., I feel like definitely did not get was should definitely not be in there over Akeem Tlaibor Hayden. And then they had Honey Badger in there as a DB, which I like because I love Honey Badge. He's been a, a All Pro I think three times uh, during that decade, uh, won a Super Bowl, and then. The safeties I really liked, uh, Eric Berry, Earl Thomas. But Eric Weddle is another guy where I don't know if I would have went with Eric Weddle over a Hayden or a Tlaib. They also had Darrell Revis as a cornerback, too. Oh, it's, sorry. My bad. Revis was – I think the Revis-Sherman-Patrick Peterson, that's just solid. Yeah, like, those are also is, three but, Hall of Famers right there. Well, with, yeah, well, that with, is, with that Joe is, Hayden, exactly. though, do you think maybe he didn't get put on this list because of his injury? Uh, maybe, he, yeah, but, he was injured. I mean, and Sher- then he... Sherman, Sherman, Sherman got injured. Honey Badger got injured. Eric Berry got injured. Earl Thomas got injured. Plus, it was so, a change of scenery for for him too. He's yeah, no, definitely. I, it's just like he's got the he had the fourth most picks in the decade. He had twenty seven picks. Um, there was only ten guys that had twenty five picks. Uh, he was fourth, and then he had uh, the most pass deflections in the decade. Joe Hayden, most most past deflections in the entire decade. Now, there's guys like Richard Sherman and Revis that don't get thrown to, but still, most in the in the decade, I think that uh, I'd take Hayden over Chris Harris Jr. or Eric Weddle. Yeah. So, I mean, I I was actually pretty pretty okay with how the, the defense turned out. Um but I could definitely, I definitely see where yeah, there's little could, tweaks here and yeah. there, and especially with with the guys that Tyler has mentioned, it's those guys, those names, they all make sense and could get put in anywhere on this list, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense, and that's like with any list too. You can argue that this person got snubbed, so yeah. to speak, or you know, this person no, could be replaced. And I just kind of wanted to bring up some snubs uh, with the with the skilled guys because I thought. Yeah, the list is solid. I don't think there's one guy on there that doesn't deserve to be on there. But um, there's some guys that I think definitely got snubbed. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, you want to move on to the specialists and take over, Jacob? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we're going to start with the punters and kickers, and we'll start with a local guy here, at Johnny Hecker from the Rams. Yes, well deserved. Uh, yeah, and I knew you were going to have a comment about that. <laughs> don't worry, Tyler. There's some love. Yeah, there's some love for you too on this list. Uh, at the hey, end, at the hey, end, I, I, I already got love. Johnny Hecker's a <laughs> Seattle kid. Um, yeah, he is. They have Shane Leckler, uh, and then we're going to move on to Stephen Gotkowski from the Patriots. And this one was the only unanimous person from this list, and that was Justin Tucker yeah. from uh, yeah, from the girl. Ravens. Yeah, Makes which sense. he replaced that piece of shit Billy Cundiff, who missed <laughs> that field goal for the Ravens. I forgot what year it was. Two thousand and twelve. 13? I don't remember. Yeah, well, one of those years, but then they replace him with Tucker, who's been great for them. Uh, and then we move on to the punt returners, Tyreek Hill. Uh, I'm surprised he kind of wasn't one of them. Or this next guy, with Darren Sproles, uh, Devin Hester, uh, Cordero Patterson. And then the last two are coaches. So Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. Hell yeah. 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 yeah there was your love for you right there. 
Okay. No, over Sean, over Sean Payton too. I thought was like big time. And, well, but I mean, I think it, I think it was deserving. And it goes back uh, to what you were saying earlier: is they won their ring in a previous decade. Yeah, the same. Yeah, team. but yeah, no, they did. But I mean, man, it's hard to leave Sean Payton off the coaching list when it comes to the last ten years. But I'm super stoked to have uh, my coach on there. He's definitely been dominant and built Seattle into just a great organization. Yeah. And then Darren Sproles, um, the only guy on here twice. Man, I was just about to say, Darren Sproles, I think they should just put him as the football player. Of the, you know, <laughs> of he's, the all, he's, he's, he's on the he's on the all-decade team as a football player. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome, man. I love Sproles. I don't know if you guys know that, but big-time Sproles fan. I've wanted to get his jersey forever, actually. Um, so it's really cool to see him get this uh, get this recognition. I'm pretty sure he did just finally announce his retirement, though, after the end of this season that just ended. Yeah, which is crazy because he, I mean, I remember, you know, when he broke his arm and tore his ACL at the same play. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's just that's just God saying it's over. And he I remember back you said that, that on the but, show. Yeah, and then he came back and made it happen. Yeah. So, all right, that was the 2010s NFL All-Decade Team. Uh, hey, you, real quick, though. What's up? I, I had some fun looking on, you know, football reference where you can, like, bracket out the years. So I was just looking at the leaders from the decade. You know, I've put, you know, from the year 2010 to 2019. And the, the, uh, the number one yards per carry for the decade was Michael Vick. Still, wow. Jeez. And he had like a couple, I mean, he had a couple hundred carries, so it's not like he didn't have. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like empty he had 50 stats. Carries. Yeah, it's not empty stats, but I thought that that was pretty crazy that considering he was drafted in 2001, that 6.7 yards of carry was first in the decade. And that was for any player at any position? Yep. Wow. Wow. What yeah, a minimum, stud. like, yeah, it was like a minimum of 100 attempts. And I think he had like 190 attempts in the decade. Damn, that's pretty crazy. Shout out Mike Vick. Did you end up watching the ESPN documentary on Mike Vick? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. It's hard for me to watch stuff on Mike Vick and, and Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. I get I get the I get defensive. <laughs> Wait, on you, get, you get, yeah, you get defensive on their end? Yeah, I yeah. yeah. I'm too I'm too bit, yeah, I do my own thing with those guys. No, the 30 for 30 that ESPN did on Vic that just came out, it was a two-part series. Yeah, it, I was about to say, it was a couple parts, right? It was, Yeah, it was two parts, and it was just absolutely incredible. So when you get a chance, I, you should try and watch it, Tyler. All right, all right. As long as there's no Vic slander, no, I'll be able to Vic, give it a go. Vic defends himself pretty well. Yep, he should. So, all right. Let's hop on over to basketball. And as the NBA season was supposed to be taking place, another tournament is taking the season's place. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how the first round of this NBA 2K tournament on ESPN went. I mean, it's been pretty uh, pretty entertaining, honestly. Like, I mean, it's just video games. 
but still, like, the competitiveness is still there, regardless if they're, you know, in one household <laughs> to another. Uh, and it's it's pretty good. I figured some of the players that were going to win that I think we took bets on, not bets on, but that we figured would probably advance, uh, some of them were no-brainers, and then other ones there was probably some uh, some uh, upsets, you know, in the tournament. Yeah, man, it's – I just <laughs> – I have a hard time watching people play video games. It's just like not something that I'm necessarily really into, even though I love 2K and, you know, I like the idea. I just, that's, that's where it's hard, hard for me. I think I find the, you know, the interaction and the stabbing back and forth is more entertaining, you know, than actually watching someone play the video games. If it wasn't a couple of NBA players kind of like going at it, like mic'd up basically, um, you know, it would be tough for me to watch. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly what I find so interesting and entertaining about it is the banter back and forth between the two players that are going up against each other because you get to see that real authentic side of the player that you don't get to see on the court. You get to see them in the comfortability of their own home uh using their own PlayStation or Xbox whatever console that they're using or whatever and just that comfortability and authenticity that you see from the players that's what i find most interesting and entertaining i do catch myself watching a lot of the actual game being played just because i want to see what type of player like what type of 2k player the the player is like i want to see how they play yeah Yeah, because it's just a kid playing video games but it seems like it's like this pro basketball player doing this like, you know, big serious thing when not nah, just a couple kids playing playing two K. Well, and you also see like which players are actually like serious like two K players or which players just kind of do it for fun. Like I I've seen some players like actually use like the playbooks for the teams and oh see that's, really do, that's doing plays. way too much. I feel like so I mean, but that's what I find interesting yeah. and entertaining seeing the kind of two K player that the player is. Which, which right now, honestly, this is the best thing we can get because there's not even golf. Yeah, it's all we got. Yeah, there's it's not even golf, got. right? Like, honestly, sports fans are just itching for anything. Like, I would take, you know, curling if that was a, an option right <laughs> now. And I hate watching that crap. But, like, this is unfortunately all we have. So, you know, regardless if they're just playing video games and it's not that entertaining, it's what we it's what we got to stick with for the time being. Uh, NBA's done a great job at, at trying to stay creative, you know, and finding ways to entertain yeah so all right the the quarterfinals for this 2k tournament are starting tomorrow at 4 p.m pacific time and i wanted to go through the matchups like we did for the first round so the first matchup for the quarterfinals is the 16 seed derrick jones jr who upset the first seed kevin durant uh he's taking we call, we called that one. Yeah, uh, we said, yeah, we were going with the youth. Me and Tyler were going you with the youth. You two went with it. I was yeah. going with Kevin Durant, so I was nah, wrong he's on only that. good at social media. He's not good at video games. Clearly. Oh, my. He's horrible. He's the worst <laughs> at social media. God damn it. All right. Well, if he's going to stick that. to something online, have it be social media. So, oh, God. So, Derek Jones Jr. is taking on the eight seed, Montrezl Harrell from the Los Angeles Clippers. And then the five seed, Devin Booker, is taking on the 13 seed, Rui Hachimura. I'm I'm going with uh, Rui. Oh well, actually. Yeah. So who do who do you guys have for Derrick Jones Jr. versus Montrezl Harrell? 
I gotta go, Derek Jagger. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, I'm riding the upset. I'm I'm jumping on the bad bandwagon, so I'm I'm gonna go Derek Jones Jr. And then, who do you guys have for Devin Booker and Rui Hachimura? This is gonna be a good one, I think, uh, just because like seeing both them play. Yeah, but I gotta get I gotta go with Hachimura. I'm going Devin Booker. Same thing with the youth. Yeah, Hachimura. Okay. I'm going Hachimura, the Gonzaga guy. All right, and then the other side of the bracket, we got the two seed Trey Young versus the ten seed DeAndre Ayton. Gotta go with Ice Trey on this one. Same, I'm going Trey Young. Same thing, yeah. All right, last matchup: six seed Andre Drummond versus fourteen seed Patrick Beverly. These two are funny. Patrick, uh, Patrick Beverly didn't upset anybody, though, did he? Yeah, he did. Who did he upset? He upset us on Whiteside, the three seed. Oh, that was a given. Yeah, I think I think I went with Pat Bev though, because I can't stand Whiteside. But I'll I probably will go with him in this one as well too. Yeah, I like Pat Bev. He's a competitive guy. I'm going Drummond, man. He beat Boogie Cousins by like fifty or sixty almost. And That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it no. just doesn't seem like he's that competitive though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the banter back and forth, Boogie and Andre Drummond was a lot more playful than competitive. He seemed, yeah, it he, was a blowout of a game. He so just like, seems like a gentle giant. Like he's like, oh yeah, like you know, he's not gonna really talk shit to you. The funniest part of that matchup though was Andre Drummond asking Boogie Cousins like why everybody loves Alex Caruso. Oh yes, I did see that. Yeah, <laughs> and Boogie, he was like, he's the goat. Yeah, Boogie Cousins was just he's like, like AC yeah. the goat, man. Simple That's answer. It. Yeah. That's it. No no explanation needed. <laughs> so, but, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the the tournament is received the longer it, it goes. I know I know it's going to go for at least a couple more days. Tyler, were you yeah, going to say something, Tyler? Uh, uh, no, no, no. I'm excited. I'm excited to keep it, keep it going, too. I, um... Like I said, I think the NBA is just doing a good job at keeping the content up. It hasn't like converted you at all into to liking watching other people play video games more because it's a sports I'm, game. No man, we want the real know, thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I find I find the you know the TK aspect of it interesting. Like you said, seeing how you know the different strategies to play the game, but it's just yeah, I'd rather just go play. Yeah. I, listen, wouldn't we all? I, you know what I did here? It was uh, on a... Well, I mean, I'd rather just go play 2K. Oh, like yourself. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'd rather just go play video games than watch video yeah. games. No, I I was going to say that I heard on a Barstool podcast. I'm pretty sure it was part of my take, one of, one of them. But Mickey Aronson, the owner of the Heat, he owns Carnival Cruise Line. So what they were suggesting is... You put all the NBA teams on a couple cruise ships that have like basketball courts with them and self-isolate all the teams on, on the cruise ships and have them play out oh, on the no. water. Yeah. Right. <laughs> on a move, on a moving court. Well, no, you're not moving. Like you're not moving. You're the, like, you're, yeah, the, the boat would be stationary. Yeah. The boat would be anchored like out in the ocean, but like, I don't know, an outdoor it, out, court. Out, out, out in the ocean. Yeah, the booker is going to be, I don't care how angered <laughs> down it is. That is not the same as solid ground. Like, you, just little tweet, just like it, like a quarter of an inch, an inch can like blow near an ankle out, you know? Hey, man. Like he, the, yeah, then actually, I, yeah. And then, anything to get then basketball. They would be, then they would be responsible for that injury. Well, yeah, but. Because you decided to play out. 
because you decided to play on open water. It was just an idea, man. <laughs> Anything to get basketball, like you guys were saying. It seems like a better screenplay than an actual idea. Yeah. No, listen, it sounds much better in the mind than on paper. But, all right, let's, I guess, wrap it up with the last segment. We got the top ten wings in the NBA right now. Uh, and like we have said the last two weeks, we've kind of, like, switched up the categories for position, I guess the the definitions of each position because the NBA has evolved to a more positionless style basketball. So Tyler, why don't you kind of give your definition of a wing and how we have basically based this uh this list tonight. Yeah, wing is definitely one of the 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 wing and the the guards have so many, you know, so many things that are similar. And and these guys are really like in between, you know, guards and forwards. But basically, to me, a wing is someone that plays on the perimeter, uh, but doesn't really is not really the main ball handler, and doesn't really guard big. Doesn't play the four, the five. Uh, in small ball nowadays, some of these guys might slide up to the four, but for the most part, they're going to be playing like the two or the three. They're going to complement guards and they're going to complement big guys and forwards. So. Um, to me, I think that, you know, I'm trying to think of like uh, like an old school player that's like Clyde Drexler, I guess, would be like the epitome of like a wing. You know, he would come in, he could play the two or the three. He'd never play point. He was never playing center. Um, so that's kind of like what I think a wing is. Okay. All right. So you want to you wanna start it off with your number 10? Uh, yeah. Yep. Let's do it. Um, at number 10, I got Eric Gordon, Houston Rockets. Okay. Uh, I think that he's got really good inflated stats. Um, they're not empty stats, but they're inflated due to the system that he's in, the looks that he gets. I mean, he's got it set up. He's in a great spot for, for his his play style and the you know place he's at in his career. Um, he's definitely a really valuable piece for them. But I got him at, I got him at number 10. I can't really put him any higher. I think most people think that it might be a little overrated, but I think the kid, you know, I remember, I remember Eric Gordon having huge promise and it's good to see him be, you know, a, a consistent contributor. Yeah. He was a young guy on the, the Lob City Clippers teams, but I also have Eric Gordon at number 10. I think like you were saying though, he does benefit from the system that he does play in, but he plays his role well, and he compliments James Harden and Russell Westbrook in that Houston offense. He was able to compliment James Harden and Chris Paul uh, last year, and he's been a really consistent, good piece for, for Houston for, for a few years now. Which is hard, too, because like you're saying, at one point Chris Paul was there, and now he has Russell Westbrook there, too. So you're kind of you're, you're playing third fiddle behind those two guys. Oh, for sure. And to to take that to take that step back and to say, all right, well, they're the primary scorers and ball handlers, but I can still come in here and provide minutes off the bench and still be productive. Like that's pretty good for him. Yeah, he, yeah, it's like his role is kind of a gift and his curse. It's it's a gift in the sense that he's getting, you know, wide open looks and high percentage shots, uh, but it's a you know, he also is playing with James Harden, Russell Westbrook. So he has to be professional and he has to, you know, be consistent. And he's got to go, you know, he could go two quarters without a shot, but he could also, you know, get off for 20 and a quarter. So, uh, 
Yeah, definitely. I think deserving to be in the top ten. Yeah. All right. Who you got at ten, Jacob? All right. Uh, at number ten, I have Gordon Hayward of uh, the Boston Celtics. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, I mean, I loved his game in Utah when he was there, and like he was kind of sprouting out to a pretty solid player. And then obviously he gets to Boston, uh, and in his first two years there, he you know blows the the, the knee and the foot, gruesome injury in that uh, what was it a Cavs game, I believe, first game of the season. Yeah, and it was horrible. But he's he has come back though, and he's been solid for that team. And he's honestly found his role. He doesn't he's not the main guy, but he definitely complements all of those other pieces there. Yeah, definitely. He's gotten much better, especially you see that in an athlete in their second year back from a major injury. It it takes them about a year to get their footing back, and he's fitting nicely back in Boston. Yeah, it's just it was just the adjustment, too, because he didn't really know what his role was going to be that season or, you know, before he got injured. And even after the injury, he kind of started to piece together like, all right, well, this is where I fit in the best. He does start, which is good because he probably should, honestly. Because uh, that's what the kind of caliber of player he was in Utah, and oh, that's yeah. and that's who Boston thought they were going to get, and they got a piece of that. Except that he did, you know, get a setback from the injury. Yeah. All right, Tyler, who you got at nine? All right, number nine. Um, I feel like this kid's been at nine or ten all three years. Uh, I know Andrew where Wiggins. You're going. I knew Andrew it. Wiggins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that he obviously is still has the flashes of greatness and like potential all-star um, still in, incredibly young. So and now he finds himself in just, I think a dream scenario as far as his, his skill set and where he's at in his, his career. Uh, I think the golden stage is the perfect scenario for him. So I hope that he can kind of ride it out and, you know, become that, you know, kind of all-star caliber or championship, you know, caliber player that everyone thinks, he could be. And he's still young, too. I think that's what people forget, that he's not. Well, I think he's 25 and younger, he's, I want to say. I think he's 24. Yeah, he's still pretty young. So or he might be 25. He, he, yeah, he still has he, plenty yeah, of he time. Wasn't on our, he wasn't on our list, but he wasn't on our under 25 list. I think he's 25 or 26. He's 25. But I mean, he came into you know he came into the league as a teenager. He's a six, seven-year vet now, so it's like it's a uh, – He's got he's got a lot of promise still, so I got him in the top ten. Yeah, I have him at number nine as well. Um, like for all the reasons you said, but he's now five six years into his NBA career. He was a number one overall pick, and we've kind of expected more out of him than we've gotten. But I'm he also, should be a top five guy. In this. Oh, for he sure, should he be. should be. Uh, every you know, there's five guys in front of him that he should be able to jump. He just hasn't done it. Yeah, but I'm also not too sure if he's going to last in Golden State. I think they are going to try and leverage him with the number one overall pick for a uh, a star, or maybe trade lower into the draft to get a player that better suits their style of play. So it is going to be interesting to see if he does last in Golden State. I think if they get. Um, if when all this stuff, when the dust settles, if they ended up picking in the top three, I think that they got a roll with their draft pick and Wiggins. But if they, if the draft pick for some reason falls, then I think the trading seems more reasonable. Yeah. All right. Who do you have at uh, nine, Jacob? Uh, I have uh, Brandon Ingram from uh, the Pelicans. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, young young I guy. I love the hate. I love the hate. <laughs> <laughs> young guy, but uh, as much as I kind of didn't want to put him on this list, he has stepped up this season uh, dramatically too. And he came into the league. Obviously, he started with the Lakers, and I feel like that was maybe too much starlight for him. And then he had to play behind LeBron James, so that was also hard for him. But him getting more freedom and kind of being that go-to wing player and scorer for New Orleans, I think that's really helped him grow, too. So I think uh, he'll definitely get better as years continue, too. And I know you're a huge fan of him, and so I know you probably would like this pick, but I know I had to put him on at some point, 9 or 10. Yeah, I have him a little bit higher. Yeah, I figured you would. <laughs> I just can't put him in, in, in front of some of these other guys, though, only because of how consistent they are and other pieces of their game that just elevate them over him. I feel you. All right. Uh, who you got at eight, Tyler? Uh, number eight, I got this guy kind of, to me, has tapped out his potential. But, I mean, he's just a solid piece, and but he yield. Interesting. Okay. Oh, so you think you yeah, think I, he can't grow anymore? I don't think he can grow. I mean, I think that he is like a, you know, 18, 19, 20 points a game, shooting guard, nothing special on the other end, nothing special. He, he is what he is. I think he's he's a really good piece, though. Like, if he is, if, he, if you've got one or two guys that are flourishing around him, he stretches your, you know, he stretches out the defense. So he's going to be a great guy that can spread the court for you. Um, and he, you know, he's a solid player, number eight. Uh, but I just don't think he's got any – he's not going to make another jump, you know. And I, I wish, I wish he would, to too. Like a, I, wish I don't he, think he's an yeah. all-star. Yeah, no, I really wish he, he would make that jump just because, like, I'm a huge fan of his. Even when he was at Oklahoma, I love watching his run, too. But it sucks because oh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't feel like he can progress and make a, another jump. Especially, especially with that Sacramento team too. That's his problem. Is he's in Sacramento? No, I mean I think Sacramento's done a good job of building a young core there, but he can't get off. Um, he couldn't get off the bench for Luke Walton though. He didn't play any defense uh, for yeah, him. Yeah, he's had a lot of uh, inconsistency. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. I just don't think that I don't see him rising anymore. I just don't see him becoming an all star. But I definitely can see him being a twenty point game a guy on a playoff team, which is not bad. Yeah, no, I actually don't have Buddy Heald on my list. He he'd probably be in my eleven to fifteen range, but that's because of some of the inconsistencies you guys pointed out. But for me at number eight, I actually this is pro- this will probably surprise a couple, well, probably both of you, but I have Bojan Bogdanovic, the Utah Jazz. Hey, he's a good wing player. Okay, I don't the, know, the, that that the to me doesn't. No, uh, oh, of the Utah Jazz? Yeah, the, yes. old, the yeah, older yeah. one. The yeah. older one. He, shoot, yeah. he, yeah. Was, he was shooting yeah. 41.4% from three this year, 44.7% from the field, 20 points a game for a Utah team that's that technically was in the playoff hunt when the season was going on. And I, I think he's a solid, solid contributor for an NBA team. I think he's a top 10 wing in the NBA right now. Yeah, dude, I actually had both of Bogdanovich's, like, right there. Um, I think both those kids can fucking play. And they're both – I think they're just, you know, they're starters on good good NBA teams. Yeah, no doubt. So who do you have at eight, Jacob? So at number eight, this is one of my favorite guys, uh, L.A. guy, too. It's DeMar DeRozan. So Ooh, he's, okay. he's, he's one of the few players besides Melo 
that fully utilize the mid-range jump shot. There's not a lot of them anymore. That's his bread and butter, man. And that's his bread and butter. He's not really a three-ball guy, and he doesn't shoot a very high percentage even when he was in Toronto. That wasn't his game. That was more Kyle Lowry's game. But when we talk about buckets of mid-range and getting to the rack, that's his game. Yeah. I have him higher on the list, so uh, I can. No, that's a good that's a good segue. I got him at seven. Okay. okay. Uh, so you got him at eight. I got him at seven. I would like to bump him above. I would like him. To, I would like him to be above the three people that I have in front of him. But uh, kind of like Eric Gordon's situation makes him, you know, kind of inflated. Demar's is you know it's hard to find a lot of statistical like stuff that makes the San Antonio Spurs look good. They just aren't that kind of team. They don't play that kind of style. Um, so the stats aren't that great, but I just know the kind of player DeMar is, and I would still love to have him on a basketball team. Exactly. And uh, so I got him at I got him at number seven, only because of the, where he's at in his career and where he's playing. Uh, I, I think that at the end of the day, if – you know, DeMar, if I was trading for DeMar and I had to give up one of the three guys in front of him, uh, I probably would. But right now, I'm going to keep him at seven. Okay. I know I would want to put him higher, too, but there's just certain things that I see other guys on my list and probably on your guys' list that I just can't put him there. Yeah. At seven for me, I got a young guy. I got Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. Oh, same. Yeah. See, uh-huh. see, the reason why I have him at seven, though, is just because, one, he's a better defender, and I feel like overall he adds more to your team, which DeMar is a great one-on-one kind of guy, but defensively he kind of gives up sometimes. Well, for me, I have, well, I have DeMar at six, so I guess we can kind of all just, yeah, flip-flop a couple things. But, yeah. but, but Jalen Brown, though, the only reason why I have him at seven, too, is just because of those reasons, and he's more of a lengthier wing player for me. Yeah, but the reason I have DeMar at six and Jalen at seven is the veteran factor of DeMar. And I couldn't put DeMar any higher because I think his time in San Antonio has run out, but the consistency for him is still there. He's shooting over 50% from the field. His three-point shooting is definitely decreased, but I think that's a product of San Antonio's system. But even before that, though, it was never part of his game. So right. to me, that's not really a loss in his, exactly. in his, on his end. Him on... I would trust DeMar DeRozan right now on defense more than I would trust Jalen Brown. That's just why I have him over. Well, yeah, because, yeah, like you're saying, you're going with the veteran aspect of it. Yeah. I have Jalen Brown at number six. Perfect. So, I mean, this is this all just basically fits all right together. Oh, yeah, our middle ground is pretty yeah. even. <laughs> uh, I'd take him over DeMar today just because of, you know, the athleticism, you know, he – he, to me, is kind of a, a do-a-little-bit-of-everything player, whereas DeMar has a, game, a pretty specific game. Like, Jalen Brown, I think, can fit in with a lot of different pieces. DeMar is, you know, he's kind of an ISO scorer, mid-range. He's a scorer. I mean, he, DeMar's he a better passer, kind of though, than Jalen Brown. Yeah, he's, he's better on the well, offensive end. Well, but... No, no I, I think that there's things that DeMar is much better than Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown's more of a glue guy, and I think just does a little bit more for the team today than DeMar does. Okay. So who who do you have at six? So at number six, I have Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. Okay. Yeah. To me, to me, he, he plays more of that wing position too, and he is their leading scorer on their team. 
Uh, I mean, he is their team. Yeah, he, yeah. Let's let's be real here. He is their team, and it just sucks that he's in that situation because on any other given team, he would have way more uh, success. I feel like and like stardom. He does have it in Phoenix, but it just sucks that he's in that market, and unfortunately, he is stuck in that contract, so he's not getting out anytime soon. Yeah, so I mean, I personally, you know, Booker's definitely something that's hard to put a position on because I think he can play the one through the three, but I've left him off this list because I had him kind of placed more of a guard. Yeah, just due due to his ability to play the point. Um, but I can definitely see him as a wing, and I mean, he's definitely a top tier talent when it comes to where you put him on the list. Yeah. So all right, let's move to the top five now. Tyler, who do you have at five? I got B.I. Can't believe it. So do I. Oh, you guys put him really Bre- high. I went Brandon Ingram at five. He was an all-star, all-star this season. year. Made the jump to the points per game that, you know, I always kind of wanted him at with the Lakers. So, you know, I five is kind of the most the most respect I can give him. Yeah. You know, he, pro- he probably has his days where he can be a position or two higher, but you know, he has the days we could be lower as well. So, like, you know, kind of like I said, it's just, you know, between him and DeRozan and Jalen Brown, that's, like, all kind of a good group. Yeah, definitely. Um, that are pre- yeah. yeah, no, it's, he's made the jump we all thought he was supposed to make, and he's supposed to be a top-level talent in the NBA as a number two overall pick in the draft, and he's improved and really taken on that that leadership role with the Pelicans, especially starting out the season without Zion, they didn't really have a number one option. And he took it on himself to, to be that number one option for them. And as he should have though, too, because that team, yeah, for sure. It was on him. Yeah. Yeah. It had drew holiday, but you have Lonzo and Josh Hart who come over with you in that package, but you are the primary scorer. Even in LA, you were that primary scorer. Yeah. You're the headline of that package. Exactly. So I think it's, it's good where he's at right now. And like you said, he is an all, he was an all-star this year and he did make that jump. So I'm happy that he did because when he was in LA as a Lakers fan, I started to doubt him as far as, well, maybe this is not the right move. They're probably going to trade him and they did, but he's kind of showing the Lakers. Well, this is what I am now here, you know, starting to, to grow as a player and this is what my game is. Yeah, and and Lakers fans wanted him to to make the jump that he has made. It just all got thrown out the window when LeBron came and it was win now mode. Yeah. So Well, and he was so young. I mean, we we had him when he was 18 to 21, 18 right. to 22. You know, so it's just like he he had to most kids are in college, so obviously that development was going to be slow. It just, uh, it's too bad. It didn't happen before the LeBron trade. Yeah. So who do you have at number five, Jacob? Uh, at number five, I have uh clay Thompson of the golden state warriors. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I got him a little higher. So do I. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tyler, number four, number four, I got Chris Middleton. So and do then I. Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton to me kind of rounds out that group of four where it's DeMar, Jalen Brown, B.I., Chris Middleton, that to me is a solid, the solid second tier wings in the, in the NBA. You can kind of mix and match those guys wherever you want. But, you know, Chris Middleton's a guy that's another, like Jalen Brown is just a glue guy. I think he's a really good, uh, he's a really good uh, support character for, you know, kind of your star, you know, a Giannis, a LeBron, you know, you could play next to anybody. Um, he can do guard multiple positions. He can shoot the three 
Uh, he's a solid player. Now he's not the he's not Scotty Pippen, unfortunately. He's not the guy that Giannis needs to be a an NBA champion right now. But he's definitely the the second fiddle to Giannis. Yeah, no doubt. I I think you hit the nail right on the head with that that foursome of Chris Middleton, Brandon Ingram, DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown being that second tier. And and on any given day, you could plug those names in any one of those four spots and people probably wouldn't have any argument with it. But with Chris Middleton over Brandon Ingram in this instance at the four or five spot, for me, it's defense. Uh, I trust Chris Middleton more on defense than Brandon Ingram. And Chris Middleton has solidified himself like you said Tyler as that number two next to Giannis as in the Scotty Pippen role not really doing exactly what Scotty did for Michael but being the go-to guy when his team needs it when Giannis is out and listen he's he's an all-star two years in a row and he's he's that guy for Milwaukee next to Giannis yeah no he's uh uh you know not the biggest fan, but I can appreciate appreciate his game. Yeah, yeah his his name isn't like a flashy all star name. Not when at he all. was se- selected back to back years. It doesn't seem like it's like oh, that's an obvious choice. He's just solidified himself because of the market he's in, playing next to Giannis, and them being such a successful team in the last two years. Yeah. Well, and like the body type and the wingspan being similar to Giannis, it just creates all sorts of matchup nightmares. And you know, I think he is a better defender than Bi. And I think he is a better shooter than Brandon Ingram. Now, I think Brandon Ingram's better offensively as like a whole, but I think Middleton can shoot the three better. He can play defense better. Um, that's why I'm just above. Yeah, Middleton. Middleton's body type to me is that proto, like what you want Protocol, right now yeah. for a basketball player. Yep, absolutely. So, all right, who do you have at number four, Jacob? All right, so at number four, I have Paul George of the L.A. Clippers. Okay, I have him yeah. a little bit higher. Well, what, two, three slots more? There's only four. I'm just <laughs> saying I have him a little higher. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but George, George, he, he kind of was like that. He was the guy in Indiana, and he's had a couple setbacks as far as he's the second option now playing behind uh, Russell Westbrook. And uh, before that, he or now he's playing behind uh, Quiet Leonard. But yeah. he was that main guy, uh, but he still has those same tendencies of him being a scorer, because he could go off on given nights. He's just he can't do that consistently night in night out, but he's also a great defender. And I think that's what people forget about him is that he just has such great length too and he he's always played that. Same thing in Indiana, same thing in Oklahoma and even in LA now. He's just been that that defender that when you need to stop, you're going to probably put him on their best wing or their best two guard because he can guard that as well. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I got to have Paul George higher. I think he's a top 10 player in the NBA. Yeah. So, all right. Top three, Tyler. Who do you have at number right. three? Number three, or top three was tough, but I'm super pumped about my number one pick. So I'm definitely going to save my win to to kind of defend my case for my number one. But at number three, just due to, you know, I want to make this list about today. Uh, today I got Clay Thompson at number three. Uh, he's coming off an injury. And I also think that the guys in front of him are more Michael Jordans than Pippins, whereas he is more of a Pippin than a, a Curry. Uh, or, yeah, a he's Pippin more than a, Pippin a Jordan. Than a Jordan. But uh, he's a great – he's like the best supporting character, arguably, in the, in the NBA. But 
I think he is someone that has to play off of another, you know, playmaker. Um, and ultimately that's why I have him at number three. Um, but again, I think that, you know, any given day, he's the best two guard in the world. Yeah. And I mean, any given day, he's the number one wing in the NBA. If the injury doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. I just think he's, he is a top tier basketball player in the world, but because of the circumstances right now, I got him at number three. Yeah. For me at number three, I have Jimmy Butler. Oh, same. Yep. So at number two, I have Clay Thompson and I'm, that was holding back the injury. I normally would have him at number one because I think number one, he is the number one wing because of his offense and defensive game. But I can definitely understand the argument Tyler made about him being more of a Pippen than a Jordan. And I I love that comparison in terms of placing him in the conversation of Paul George and Jimmy Butler. But just me personally, I'm taking Clay Thompson over any one of these guys if he's a hundred percent healthy. But Today, I have Jimmy Butler at three. Uh, One thing I do hold against him is some of the things that have happened to get him to where he's at in terms of the teams he's been on. Uh, I kind of hold that against him because I don't think... Basically, I think that's what's holding him back from being successful in the postseason. That he's too vocal? Not that he's too vocal. It's the way he goes about it. It's not what he's saying because his message is right. It's just how he's saying it exactly. and how he's going about how it. How effective it is. Yeah. I think that's what's holding him back of being a top-tier leader, a top-10 player in the NBA. Because if you run down his track record, was there ever an issue with Chicago when he left? Yeah, him and Rondo. Yeah, him and D-Wade versus Rondo. Yeah, see, but there was that well, Yeah, there was that issue. I think it's more of a who's, who's the go-to guy because he had the same issue – in Minnesota, and he had the same issue in Philadelphia. Right. So I think, yeah, okay. I think to me, he so, wants to be that one, that number one option. But at times, I don't think he can be. That's that's the issue. So are we wrapping this combo up? Uh, like, yeah, so wait, Squire, you got Squire, you got Jimmy, and then and then Clay, uh, Jimmy Clay, and then Paul and then George. Paul George. Okay. Jacob, Jacob, you, you have, have Jimmy. I have Jimmy. I have Durant because I didn't put him on last week. Right. And then to me, a wing is still LeBron. He's my number one wing because I didn't have him as okay. a forward. And then I got. And then I, I would got, have LeBron more as a playmaker now. So yeah, I was going to save he, him he's, for two he, weeks but from he, now. He's still a tweener for me because he's always played that position. Yeah. No, it makes now, sense. He, and he, and he could fit in, you know, almost all of these. But yeah, he, he me, could fit in all five of these oh, lists. Yeah. For me, I play at number three. For number two, this is why I, I was pumped about this. Number two, I got Paul George, and number one, I got Jimmy. As soon as you said, kinda, as soon as you said you wanted you to off defend, because I got Jimmy. Yeah, as yeah, soon because, as you said you want to defend your number one, I knew it was Jimmy Butler. I think today, in today, right now, nobody is fucking with Jimmy on the wing. And, um, you know, I want it. I think that the reason why I think that he's the best in the league right now, uh, you know, Clay's injured right now. Paul George, this is his fifth season since injury. He kind of had, you know, he's had a weird little run back, but played great. But I just think that Jimmy has played better and kind of is that dog in the locker room where he pushes people and that, you know, that rubs people one or two ways. Either they, they love it or they hate it, but it's like, this guy's been the man everywhere he's went. His rookie year 
was the year D Rose went down. And so the next three seasons after D Rose goes down, he averages 41 minutes, 43 minutes, and 42 minutes a game for Thibodeau. All right. So he's a stud, you know, playing all these minutes for a great, for a team that was making deep playoff runs, traded to Minnesota uh, to be back with Thibodeau, punks the whole Minnesota organization in my mind. Uh, kind of, I think that we all judge no, Carl. He, he definitely punked them. You know, we judge Carl Anthony Towns completely different. We look at Jimmy Butler completely different. And I just think that they show that he was an alpha dog. He gets traded to Philadelphia where they can, you know, he gets put in a situation to win. He's a Kawhi Leonard running three-point shot in the corner away from being in the NBA Finals. Okay, so just, you know, continued success in the postseason. Doesn't win in Minnesota because nobody wins in Minnesota. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then he finally uh, and then he finally gets to Miami in, in summer of 2019 where everyone just is just kind of, you know, he doesn't match up with another superstar. It's kind of a weird move, but he matches up with a first-class organization that needed a superstar, bets on himself, turns that team completely around to, to be a contender. People talk about them winning the East, and it's guys, you got guys like Kendrick Nunn, who has completely surprised everybody. Uh, Tyler Hero has done solid. Bam Adebayo has made a huge step uh, in his career and development. Duncan Robinson's come out of nowhere, and I think that all that, is uh, is Jimmy Butler? I truly believe he makes everybody around him better. He's a two-way player, just like Paul George and Clay, and he is just a dog. And he could end up leaving. He could end up leading this Miami franchise to the finals. You know, if this whole coronavirus thing doesn't happen. So that is why that was my big defense. That's a compelling argument, I mean, my yeah, friend. He, yeah, he really defended him. Look, it's a I, compelling argument. Look, I love Jimmy Butler, I, but I don't think he's going to ever win a, a ring for two reasons. One, because I don't think he is that go-to guy where he can lead your team. As far as, as the mental aspect and him pushing you in the locker room, yes. But on a given night of him being the scorer, that is where I have uh, an issue. And two, because of his ego and because of how he wants to win, I don't think he'll ever play – behind somebody as the number two option anymore he won't do that anymore he wants to be the guy and that's why i don't think he'll win a ring well first of all he is the guy now and i don't know well, he, he'll win he, a is, ring necessarily. he is in miami i don't know though. if he'll win a ring yeah he is and he was in chicago as well um but uh, and, and i mean I, really you know i mean he went and played as a number two with other superstars like cat didn't win i didn't get it Played with Philadelphia, the bunch of stars, one game, one shot away from the finals. Now he's the number one. He's been number one, number two. Um, and I think that, yeah, he, he may not win a championship, but that's a lot of guys in the league. And, yeah, if this Miami team got to the finals, they had to play the Clippers, the Lakers. They probably wouldn't have enough firepower. But Jimmy Butler has become a very attractive player to play with, I think. And I think people have shown that he can lead the team. So if one of these Robins, one of these – Jalen Brown's, Chris Middleton's, uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins wants to come and play with a, 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 a Michael Jordan, a dog, then he's that guy. And eventually he could win a ring. I think that you could, pick, you could take Clay Paul George, sure. But right now, today, Jimmy's stock is at an all-time high. And I think it's just been skyrocketing since the Minnesota stuff. It's only everything, you know, he had, he's in the news with, like, Philly you know, as far as being just a barky guy and with Minnesota, a barky guy. But Minnesota was losing, and he, he, was, he had enough. And he has the legendary practice. And, yeah. uh, and, and Philly damn near got to the finals 
and with with a broken locker room and he trashed, you know, he wanted to win. And I just don't think that Ben Simmons and, and the Philadelphia organization wanted to be challenged like Jimmy Butler was challenging them. Minnesota, Miami wanted that smoke. And they're and they're reaping the benefits. Yeah, no, I mean listen, I think a lot of credit has to go to Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and the culture that the Heat have. And listen, Jimmy Butler fits that culture so well. It's it's no, really it's it's, it's, it's a perfect fit. The, the Jimmy Butler wanted to be the man, and he got to go to a franchise that needed a superstar, but at the same time was a solid organization, very similar to James Harden. You know, the Rockets weren't necessarily the sexiest pick, but that was a great organization with a great foundation that was ready to pop. They just needed that guy to make them pop. And um, I, th- I think that that's why I really believe that Jimmy Butler right now is the he can he's he's the best wing in the game and he can guard every guy on this list and he can score on every guy on this list. Yeah, no, I mean Jimmy was looking for a team that was going to hand him the keys and Pat Riley said, "Here you go, have fun." Yeah, because he didn't get that yeah. in Minnesota and especially he didn't get that in Philadelphia because he wasn't the number and one he a, and option. He, and he ended up he ended up butting heads with Thibodeau, the guy that like brought him in. Yeah, you know, a guy that he was playing forty plus minutes for in Chicago, making. You know, he's made five all-star games. Well, the, know, whole reason not, Thibodeau, the whole reason Thibodeau left Chicago was because they said that he ran the team into the ground. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, he's a hard-nosed guy. And they, they, you know, they ended up butting heads because I think they're ultra-competitive and they were playing for Minnesota. I don't think Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler are the kind of guys that should be in Minnesota. They're too competitive. Minnesota yeah. is just not – I mean, they've just been a losing franchise no matter how much talent – they can't ever get over the hump. It's not a winning um, culture there. Yeah, and they've, they haven't made a playoff run since Garnett. I mean, you know, so it's just like I can't. You know, I don't blame. I don't blame Jimmy or Thibodeau. I blame Minnesota. Yeah. So, all right, you you guys want to wrap this up and give the full lists one more time, Jacob? You want to start off? Yeah. So, uh, starting off at number ten, I have Gordon Hayward, Brandon Ingram. DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, Clay Thompson, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Durant, and then LeBron James. Okay. For me, I have Paul George, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Brandon Ingram, DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown, Bojan Bogdanovic of the Utah Jazz, Andrew Wiggins, and Eric Gordon. Tyler, who you got? I had, uh, at number one, I had Jimmy Butler, then I had Paul George, Clay Thompson. Chris Middleton, Brandon Ingram, the Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, Buddy Heald, Andrew Wiggins, and Eric Gordon. All right. You guys got any shout-outs before we get out of here? Uh, I'm going to shout-out Dana White. I think that he's, like, I think he's doing the right thing by being ultra-progressive or ultra-aggressive as far as, like, getting some sort of live viewing event going for the UFC just to kind of, you know, because I think that, that the UFC was on the brink of becoming, you know, it, you know, in the same breath as the MLB, NBA, NFL, um, I think they were right there with being one of the top sports in you know in the world. Um, and I think that this is going to help their, help them move their brand if they can really, if he gets the Native American reservation, if he gets a private island, whatever he does to make it happen, I think it's 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 cool to you know just give give something to watch. Yeah, man. If if it's gonna be be on TV, I'm I'm gonna find a way to watch it just because I need my my sports fix. 
And I think that, you know, be, with their availability to private testing, I just don't think that there's any risk. You don't necessarily need – you don't need a crowd for a, a fight as much as I feel like, you know, basketball and soccer are just like – you know, the crowd, like, helps the momentum. It's a swinging sport, whereas just, like, fighting, you know, I think most of those guys grow up in gym, so it's not it's not as much of a spectator thing. Yeah. Um, I think it would be cool to see the UFC be the first person – first league to put something on there and they're kind of you know they have the luxury of being able to you know do that whereas like you know leagues have so many teams that you can't just do one event whereas like you know uh, uh individual sport you can just do do one event you don't have to have a whole team right uh, you're, not, you're not screwing over the rest of the fighters by having a fight you know? right a five fight card is easy to do in one place yeah, and you're not screwing over a whole league of other teams. It's just like, you know, it's just the dynamic of being an individual sport versus a team sport. Right. All right, my shout-out this week is to Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Eddie Sutton, Rudy Tomjanovich, Tamika Catchings, Kim Mulkey, Barbara Stevens, and longtime FIBA executive Patrick Bauman, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame class of 2020. <laughs> This is probably the most decorated or accomplished, however you want to put it, a Hall of Fame class ever, led by Kobe, Duncan, and KG. Between the three of them, they have 11 NBA championships, five NBA Finals MVPs, four regular season MVPs, 39 All-NBA selections, 39 All-Defensive selections, 48 All-Star Game selections. Eddie Sutton is a four-time National Coach of the Year Rudy T is a two-time NBA champion coach. Tamika Catchings is a 10-time WNBA All-Star and four-time Olympic gold medalist. Kim Mulkey is a three-time NCAA National Championship coach of Baylor. Barbara Stevens is a five-time Division II National Coach of the Year. So a pretty big Hall of Fame class this year for 2020. Obviously, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett were staples of my childhood those you can even argue that those are staples of the 2000s era. Oh they, yeah, they 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 were all very successful in that era, especially Kobe and Duncan, multiple champions from '99 to 2010. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean icon, iconic class, definitely my childhood. Yeah, for sure. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.